When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code SPOTIFY to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code SPOTIFY at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code SPOTIFY. Welcome back to the final four. It's not on the schedule. He is right on camera. Uh, Michigan State uh, looks to take on Purdue next. Seven and five uh, overall, two and three in the league. Um, so they're thirty eighth in Ken Palm. Rod, Michigan State at thirty nine. So very similar numbers here. At least, at least as of when we we recorded this. Right. Yes. right. <laughs> yeah, this may change. Uh, but 33 on offense for them, 46 on defense, whereas uh, Michigan State's at 27 on offense and 53 on defense. Yeah, very similar. Mm-hmm. So what are we looking at with uh, this Purdue team? Well, it, it's kind of back to the equation that they had in uh, several years prior to last season. Remember last year, other than the game MSU played them in West Lafayette, which was just a total disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, they really struggled with deep shooting as a team last season. Not, not this year. They're, they're back to their old ways. They're hitting 38% as a group. So that's good for 38th in the country. Um, and they're only 120th in two point percentage. And that number may be kind of surprising. It was surprising to me because Purdue has two legitimate post threats in Trevion Williams and Zach Eady. You know, you, you would think with that you would be better from twos, but obviously they're not the only guys who shoot twos. Um, and so I think those numbers are important to keep in mind. I, I just got done watching Tom Izzo's press conference from today, and there was one line there that um, probably will bring back some memories for listeners of other Michigan State Purdue games, he said, you know, they were talking. The question was about how MSU handles Trevion Williams in the post. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, he's he's really good. He's going to get his points, and they're going to throw the kitchen sink at him. Uh, but he did say, the twos hurt you, the threes kill you. And so, and I agree. <laughs> and. So what I think that tells you is it may not be quite as extreme as what we saw in that 2018 game where, if listeners remember, uh, Isaac Haas kind of ran wild in the post. MSU just single-guarded him, um, didn't do much to stop him, but they really limited the threes, and it was just good enough to get him a win over a Purdue team that was playing outstanding basketball that at least at that point looked like the best team in the conference. If you remember, there was a stage that year where MSU was behind. It was Purdue and Ohio State that led the league for long stretches. And then in the end, Michigan State ended up catching Purdue to get a share of the title. Mm-hmm. Um, that win by MSU at the Breslin was crucial in that effort. And it only came because of the way MSU defended them from three. That was an outstanding three-point shooting team. It's, you know, Vince Edwards and Dakota Mathias, PJ Thompson, and obviously Carson Edwards, all those guys. Um, 
So I think we're going to see a version of that. It may not be tilted quite as much. You know, if you remember that game, Michigan State, what made it different is not that MSU didn't double-team Haas because they never double-team. Mm-hmm. And I don't expect we'll see that in this game. But Michigan State traditionally has their perimeter guys dig down, meaning they leave their man for a second to kind of reach in and attempt to disrupt the dribble mm-hmm. of the post player, but then they get back to their man. And that's a tough balance to walk. It can be. Because if, you, if you're if you digging a little too long, you leave yourself vulnerable to that big man deciding to kick it to the guy you're guarding who then has a, an open three. Um, in that game two years ago, three years ago, uh, Michigan State really didn't dig down at all. They just kind of let Haas go. And the reason was they weren't going to leave those shooters for anything. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I expect it to be quite that extreme. But I think we're going to see Michigan State be very careful and very judicious about the choices they make in terms of digging down. Uh-huh. That's what I do think. Um, so what other numbers stick out to you as far as them on the offensive? Well, um, so the e-field goal percentage takes everything into account. Is at number 61 nationally, which is decent. That's a reflection of their success in the threes mostly. Um, unusually for Purdue – they're having a real problem with turnovers. They're at number 187 in turnover percentage, so much worse than Michigan State. Wow. And that's something they've been really good at in recent seasons, you know, like top 50, top 60 nationally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's kind of hard to understand in some ways because, you know, they're, they got a lot of guards. They got a lot of perimeter guys that play. And so you would, you would think it would be okay, but um, it hasn't been. It's been a real problem. Um, so there's that. Uh, another area that has kind of changed for them is offensive rebounding. They're not terrible, but they're mediocre. They're at number 97. Uh, the last two years running, they've been number 16 and number 20. So that's a pretty significant drop. And again, a little bit hard for me to understand why, because at least relative to last year, the personnel isn't very different. I mean, Harms is gone, but he wasn't a huge offensive rebounder. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, Boudreaux. I mean, you look at the guys that they lost. They weren't guys who did a ton of offensive rebounding. Trevion Williams is a, a guy who's an elite offensive rebounder, and he's still around. But they're obviously not getting as much production there um, from other guys. So, cause Trevion's been great as a rebounder, so it's not him. Um, but it's, so they, they're mediocre there. Also kind of a middling three point or a free throw shooting team. Uh, 69.7%. So not quite as bad as Rutgers, but you put that together with the fact they don't get there a lot. The number 302 in free throw attempts, uh, as a percentage of field goal att- versus field goal attempts. And number 313 in free throws as a percentage of their overall scoring. So those are both very, very low numbers. So that all adds up to free throws have not been a big positive for them mm-hmm. this season. Again, not the abject disaster <laughs> Rutgers, but still bad. Um, at the other end, you know, they're, what do we say? They're 46th defensively. Um, which is okay. Again, not where they've been. This is a team been really good defensively for the last several years running even last year their problem was shooting the ball 
that's what kept them from being a, a good team rather than a middling one. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, the defense has slipped a little bit. They're a good defensive rebounding team. That's what makes the offensive end hard to understand, the number 23 on the defensive end. Um, but they haven't been very good at limiting shooting success by opponents. They're 194 in E field goal percentage against and 231 in two-point percentage against. That's really low. And, and you know, Purdue is a team traditionally, you know, they play a very, as, as I'm sure few of our listeners need me to tell them, Purdue usually plays a, um, a physical, hard nosed style of defense. It's not really pack line because they, ex- they typically will extend out a little bit more than that. They, they're closer to what Michigan State does, mm-hmm. but they really do a good job typically of shrinking the court and forcing you. They're not a heavy turnover forcing team. They don't trap much. You know, a little bit sometimes on the perimeter, but not a lot. Um, they are typically a team that fundamentally wants you to take shots you don't want to take. And those are usually teams that are good against twos. This team isn't. Their, their block percentage is down. They're, they're only at number 106 as a, as a group after three straight years. They've been in the top 60. Uh-huh. So you see some slippage in some of these areas, but the three point shooting has risen and that's kind of keeping them afloat right now um and finally this is the first team that we've seen thus far in the big 10 that's actually playing at what you would call a traditional big 10 pace the number 300 i mean we've seen teams consistently in the top 50 right Mm. um this team is playing number 300 in pace uh 296 on offense and 205 on defense so what you take from that is that uh their offense has been really deliberate. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense because they're either, you know, they run a motion offense. And so a motion offense relies a lot, obviously it's entirely, it's on man movement and picks. You know, you're not running scripted plays. Uh, and sometimes it can take a little while in a possession to get a shot that you want. And so that's kind of, I think, impacting. I, I don't know if you would ever expect a pure motion team to be playing really, really fast. Mm-hmm. And they're not. All right. So uh, if we look at the starters, Eric Hunter, 6'3", junior, who's had some uh, injuries early, uh, but is back starting, um, averaging 10.8 points a game, 35 from the floor, 31 from three, and 83 from the line. And he leads the team in assists at about three and a half per. Yeah, he's had some turnover problems, too, to go with that two and a half a game. Um, the big negative for him thus far is his deep shooting is down. He was really awful from three as a freshman. And then last year he ticked it up to, I think it was 35 or 36 percent. Well, he's, he's taken a little bit of a step back. Um, and Purdue could use him. He's the one guy. Uh, um, on their guard group that, um, that isn't really, um, well, at least among the, the top four guys. He's the one guy who isn't really, really shooting it exceptionally well from deep. The, the good news is that's not the only way he can hurt you. The good news for Purdue. He's a very athletic guy and at 6'3", he's actually got decent size for the position as well because he's nominally their point guard. You know, in a, in a motion offense, you don't necessarily have if you think about Purdue under Painter in the last several years, they really haven't had guys that you'd say, well, this is the point guard. Yeah. 
you know, they, Dakota Mathias led him in assists a couple times, you know. Um, he was, he looked for all, you know, all appearances sake as a, as a wing at six, five. And he did kind of play that way, but he was also their best passer. So, um, but Hunter is, Hunter's a dangerous player. He's a dynamic guy. I say he's athletic. He's good off the dribble. Um, so he's a, he's a threat in those ways. And as we know, Michigan state's had some problems with guys like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then Sasha Stefanovic, 6'6", junior, averaging 11.3 points a game, 49 from the floor, 51 from three, and 79 from the line. Yeah, and 67 of his 78 attempts from the floor have been from three. So that wow. 51% really looms large. Uh, although he somehow was averaging almost three free throws a game, which is not bad if all you are is a three-point shooter. That means he isn't just a three-point shooter. He must be doing some stuff to, to get himself to the line. Um, obviously goes without saying when you got a guy who's shooting it that much and hitting it that well, that's someone that you really, really have to pay attention to. And, and he is going to be right at the top of Michigan state's scout. I, I guarantee that. Um, again, this is, and we're going to see it as we go through this. These are the guys that are the reason why I think Michigan state is going to put more of an emphasis on limiting what Purdue gets from three as opposed to really, really, really emphasizing stopping them in the post. Mm -hmm. I think they present you with that dilemma. You kind of have to make a choice, and I think that's the right choice, and it's the one Michigan State will make. Now, can they execute it? That's a that's another story. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Brandon Newman, 6'5", redshirt freshman, uh, who's been really a big contributor for Purdue, 9.9 .9 points a game. Um, 45 from the floor, 42 from three, 90 from the line. Yeah, um, just under half his shots coming from deep, so not quite as reliant as Stefanovic. But um, I think it's a pleasant surprise for them because he redshirted last year, and part of the reason he redshirted was they felt like he needed to learn how to play within a team concept. They had a lot of individual ability, but he came to their program out of high school Maybe not, not that he was a selfish kid or but just didn't, maybe similar to some of the questions that were around Rocket Watts when he came out of high school, you know, that, mm. that he just needed to, to learn how to play within a team concept. And so Purdue redshirted him because they felt like they had enough guards last year. Uh, as it turns out, I think they, if he could have shot this way, I think they could have used him. Mm. Uh, but the shooting is a little bit of a surprise because that was the knock on him coming out of high school is that he wasn't a consistent jump shooter. Well, 42% from three with a good amount of attempts, a good volume of attempts, pretty good start. And again, he's athletic, you know, six, five, he can do some things. So he's another guy, very, very tough to guard. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Mason Gillis, six, eight freshman, uh, redshirt freshman also, um, who's been, kind of in the starting lineup recently, uh, and he's been averaging 5.2 points a game, 3.1 rebounds, uh, 50 from the floor, 33 and 83 from the line. Yeah, and a little over half his shots are coming from three, so he's very much been a stretch four. And look, I mean, they've, they've given the Aaron Wheeler experiment a long leash, and I think it was always on the cards. We talked about it in the season preview when we covered Purdue that this was a possibility because Wheeler had been so bad last year that you wondered, would he get back on track to play the way he did closer to the way he did as a freshman? 
And if he didn't, that they had Gillis kind of in there in, in, in the wings, mm-hmm. perhaps waiting to take that role. And it looks like it's happened. Um, yeah, Gillis is just, I, I think he's a good player who's going to get better and better as time goes on for now. Not a high volume guy in terms of what they look for from him, but at least a capable shooter. Um, and that's what they want. You know, this has been the equation for Painter in recent years. Uh, I, I do remember, you know, the Twin Tower days when he would play, um, you know, AJ Hammonds and, uh, and, uh, Biggie Swanigan together, if you remember mm, that. Yes. Those, those days are by the boards. I mean, I think he's found something in the last four years where, as a lot of programs have, where he likes what having a foreman who can do more things than that gives him, mm. you know. At both ends. Uh, and then Travion Williams, 6'9", 250, um, junior. So he's leading them in scoring and rebounding. 14.1 points a game, 9.6 rebounds. Uh, 52% from the floor, but only 46 at the line. 46. Yeah, and that's an issue. You know, we saw it with Miles Johnson, right? Mm-hmm. When your five-man can't make free throws, that is a big problem. Um, you know, and to think, you know, Michigan State fans over the years, you know, I, I remember people getting upset about Nick Ward. Well, Nick Ward, at his worst, was like a low 60s guy, right? Yeah. I mean, this is another level of, in terms of a problem. But Trevion Williams has become, I think, pretty close to the best possible version of what he was projected to maybe be when he was coming to high school. He's done all the things that you figured would happen at Purdue. I, I said this at the time. If he wasn't going to go to Michigan State, Purdue was the best place for him because they're the other program, the only program, I think, that really matches Michigan State in terms of being able to take guys that are out of shape, that are heavy, and tone their bodies. I mean, MSU's done it again and again and again. Well, so has Purdue. And Trevion Williams is the latest version of that. Mm-hmm. Um, when I compare what he looks like now to when I saw him in AAU heading into his senior year playing for the family, so he's on a team with Gabe Brown, Dwayne Washington, uh, David DeJulius, all those guys. Um, Trevion Williams was coming off mostly a lost season in high school because he had a, I think it was a foot injury. So he was already big enough that he was going to have to lose weight, but he got a lot bigger during that off that time off. Mm -hmm. And by the time he was playing AAU, he was a mess. I mean, just an absolute mess physically to think about where he's come in that period of time is remarkable. And it showed up almost immediately. I mean, even when he was a freshman at Purdue, he just had that summer Uh to work out with them. He was better, but he's continued to get better. Um, Just a very, very skilled post player. His great touch uses his size well, good footwork, um, good passer, sees the court well, so he's hard to double. I don't think Michigan State will do that anyway. And as I said, really an elite rebounder. He's at almost double digits per game, and he's good at both ends. Um, The only thing maybe he's not great at is defensively, maybe not the greatest range rebounder. But, man, if it's in his area, he's going to get it. Mm -hmm. Good hands, I mean, all of that stuff. Uh, The free throw shooting, is an issue. His minutes, you know, 
it would be an issue at some places because he's playing 24 minutes. He said, boy, you'd like to squeeze out a little more. And we talked about that as a concern in our season preview as well. He probably can't be a 30-minute-a-night guy. Do they have an answer? <laughs> they, they found an answer. Yeah. You know, And so it's business as usual as Purdue. This is another thing Painter loves to do. He loves to have two big men that he can just roll in and out, roll them in and out of the game. It's kind of like um, the way Mark D'Antonio was with his defensive tackles, right? Mm-hmm. Where he would always want four that he could trust because that he would just roll them in and out of the game because they're big kids, their stamina isn't going to be the same as smaller guys, and you want to make sure that whoever's out there in any given moment is fresh enough to really make an impact. Same theory with Purdue and their big men. You know, and it's and it's interesting because at the pace that Purdue plays, I think they probably could get away with. I mean, let's put it this way: there are programs that would probably play Trevion Williams more than Purdue does. You know, that play at a similar pace, but um, you know, there's no reason to when they've got quality depth mm-hmm. and and other guys that can hurt you, and that way you make sure every minute they're on the floor, they're fresh. Uh, yeah, and so that the other big guy coming off the bench, Zach Eady, seven four, two eighty five, freshman, um, who apparently was a hockey player until relatively late, yeah. which would be what, yeah. what like eight nine on skates. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. I, I, the thought of it is just insane. Um, <laughs> I didn't, honestly didn't know a lot about him. Mm-hmm. You know, he did a prep school. He's Canadian, but he played prep school in Florida. They signed him last fall. So, but, but think about this. You look at how, how well he's played. If Harms had not decided to transfer to BYU, it's almost a certainty he would have redshirted because there wouldn't have been a, there wouldn't have been minutes for him. Mm-hmm. And yet, as a true freshman, he's playing very, very well. The, the thing you like about him in the long run is, and the, the hockey player background, I think he also played baseball at younger ages too. He's more athletic than you might assume a 7'4", 285-pound guy is. Yeah. This is not Isaac Haas redux. It is in terms of size, but Edie's got a higher ceiling, I think, because he moves better. He still, look, he still struggles some defensively. For a guy that big, he's only averaging one block per game. Now, he's only playing 14.4 minutes, but still, you would think he'd just block more shots just by standing close by to the rim. Stance. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he's not yet great defensively, but I think he has the potential to get better because of that athleticism. Offensively, you know, a lot of what he does, quite honestly, they just sort of lob it up there to him mm-hmm. and let him, <laughs> let him, let him be seven foot four. And it's tough to stop. Um, I think for Michigan State, the key with both one key with both of these guys, man, they, the fives have got to rim run. They got to make these guys move. You know, uh, that has to be an area where where Michigan State tries to tries to take advantage. Uh, but you know, like nine point one points, four point one rebounds. Um, what is he shooting? Is that number right? Yeah, sixty three percent from the floor, and and seventy one percent at the line suggests. That in time, he might even give you a little bit of a face-up look. He's not doing much of that right now, but if you shoot that well as a freshman at the free-throw line, that suggests that you know maybe 
10 to 12 foot jumpers might not be completely off the table down the line. And so he's a, <laughs> we said it in the preseason, you know, I remember the line was painter has a type and he does. And he finds these guys and, and they're going out of vogue in big time basketball. Uh-huh. You know, if, if I think back and I don't think it's because the population shrunk, but you know, when I think back to the eighties and nineties, you know, if you remember guys like, well, I mean, Dikembe Mutombo was seven foot two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean Bradley was a rage for a while at seven foot six. People thought he was the second coming. Yeah. You know, of, of what I don't know, because he was actually, there hadn't been anybody really like him. The problem that some guys, obviously not Mutombo, but a guy like Sean Bradley and some others had is they maybe weren't athletically good enough. They weren't ever to get strong enough. Edie is strong, and I think athletically, you know, he's a guy, I don't know for sure what his future holds, but I wouldn't write off the possibility of his being an NBA player at some point. It's real early, but I, I wouldn't write it off because I think he actually has potential in ways that very few guys his size have. Mm-hmm. So it's Painter kind of getting his kind of guy, but then, but more than that. Because this is different than than Haas or Harms. Yeah. This is a different deal. Uh, and then Isaiah Thompson, six one sophomore, averaging six point two points a game, forty seven from the floor, forty four from three, and seventy eight from the line. And a lot of yeah. his shots are coming from three, sixty percent. Yeah, yep. And it's very similar to his older brother PJ. You know, he looks like a point guard physically. He really isn't. What he is is a guy with with decent quickness. And is a very, very good shooter. He's, he's took, taken a big jump from his freshman year. His freshman year, I forget exactly where he was. I think he was in the low to mid thirties. Um, so he wasn't great, but there was a feeling like he could take a jump and he has. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Jaden Ivey, who um, was a big get for them as a six four freshman, um, who's been hurt early, but, um, is, Lately, it's been 5.6 points a game, 36 from the floor, only 18 from three, and 50 from the line. Yeah, they had very high hopes for him. He was the guy who they were, um, excuse me, most excited about in this, in this recruiting class and was considered a big time get for them. I believe he played at La Lumiere. Uh, and there was a thought that he might even be a starter. Well, he was hurt. Brandon Newman's played very well. So I don't think that's likely to change anytime soon. But um, he obviously needs to get his shot dialed in a little better. That's what's holding him back at the moment. But they think he can be a very good all-around guard. Mm-hmm. He's athletically a little different than most of their guys have been over recent years. Um, and, uh, yeah, and they think he can give them kind of a dynamism, that, that both on and off the ball, that they haven't always had. But – um, it's early with him. I would expect his shooting will improve eventually, but right now it's the, that's the main issue. Uh, and then uh, they still have Aaron Wheeler, 6'9", junior. Um, while he lost his starting spot, I mean, he's still averaging 20 minutes a game. Um, so 4.3 points um, and 5.3 rebounds per game, which is second best. 40 from the floor, 28 from three, and 60 from the line. Yeah, I, I think at this point I would I would expect that they're going to go with Gillis, but Wheeler's still going to play a lot because Wheeler does give them that rebounding. He's experienced, and it's just he's not going to be a 30-minute-a-night guy. 
You know, he's just not found enough of his offensive game to warrant being that. But right now he and Gillis are essentially sharing the position. And I think that's how it's going to look going forward. Just that 28% from three, it's a tough number because um, that was what, when he, when he really came on the scene kind of midway through his freshman year, that's what separated him. He's like this long six, nine guy who can do some things because of that size and that length but he can also step away from the basket and hurt you. Mm-hmm. That's a tough combination to deal with. When you take away that stretch game, he's he's not quite as much of making quite as much of an impact, you know. Uh, and then the other guy we, guy we might see, Ethan Morton, 6'5", freshman wing, averaging 11 minutes a game, um, but just under a point, 18% from the floor, 17% from three, uh, and has not attempted a foul shot this season. Yeah, the, 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 this is a more extreme version of kind of what I expected because the book on him was he's a guy who comes in with a reputation as an excellent passer, great playmaker at 6'5", needs to improve his shot. So in my mind, I was envisioning kind of a Dakota Mathias type. And Dakota Mathias, it took him a year or two to really get his jumper honed uh-huh. at this level. Early in his career, he was mostly a defense and passing guy, wasn't much of a scorer, and then later the shot came. With Morton, though, it's been really extreme. I mean, you mentioned those percentages, 18% overall, 17 from three, and he's not getting to the line. That's not good. But he does have 17 assists in only 11 minutes a night. So he is doing the thing that he was uh, his reputation suggested he would do at a high level, which is make plays. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the shooting's been, I think, even worse than they would have expected. But still, he's getting 11 minutes a night, so he's in the rotation. It's just in a little more limited way. I, I do wonder if, as Ivy continues to round into form, if perhaps Morton's minutes decrease a little bit. Because Matt Painter isn't necessarily a guy that I would see relishing going 10 deep. I think he would probably prefer to cut that rotation down, and Morton would be the guy... I would think was most likely to get his minutes cut. Mm-hmm. But again, we have to, we have to see, I expect we'll probably see him in this game. Uh, so the five keys, Rod perimeter defense, uh, as you talked about a little bit, how sort of how they handled Haas. Um, does that make, does it worry you a little bit though, with that strategy in that maybe you don't have a, as good a one-on-one post defender against the seven, four guy. I mean, well, the seven four is, guy, there's not, <laughs> or yeah, or even Wheeler. You know, Williams, Williams is the Williams. one who worries you more. I mean, Williams is the guy who's playing more and who's averaging you know fourteen and change a game. Mm-hmm. But but eighty two, I mean, they both can hurt you. Um, of course, it worries me. But I think we're going to see a couple things. I think we're going to see Michigan State play. Uh, you know, use a number of guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Now, I don't think Miles Johnson is the player that Trevion Williams is, but Miles Johnson is a better player than you saw the other night. Michigan State did a really good job with him. Honestly, mm-hmm. they did. That was, that wasn't all. My, yeah, Miles Johnson was missing free throws, but they did a great job guarding him. When I look, Kithier guarded him some, um, Hauser guarded him some, you know, and those guys really worked their asses off. When they were when they were playing against him, and the physical difference is is similar, mm-hmm. you know. And a Trevion is Trevion's not any taller, 
than Joey or Kathy or R really. Um, Edie obviously is, but Edie's going to be taller than everybody, you know? Um, so it, yeah, does it concern me? Yeah, but I don't think you can let that concern distract you from what the fundamental goal is. And from watching Izzo's, um, press conference today, I don't think it's going to. I'm, I'm expecting the bulk of the attention to be paid to limiting them from three. And so the way that's going to go is they're probably not going to dig down as aggressively as you might see at other times, mm-hmm. which means that there are going to be a lot of one-on-one isolated situations in the post, and it's it's down to guys continuing to work hard. Now, the other thing you got to worry about, though, is even if you are doing that, um, you still have to take away those threes, and that can be a difficult task. You know, produce the motion offense, that will wear you down. Mm. because it's there's not a lot of standing around. If Purdue is playing the way they're supposed to, at least, uh, there's not a lot of standing around. You're going to get run through a lot of picks. So sw- understanding switches and executing those is going to be important. Um, fighting through picks when that's what you're supposed to do is going to be important. Switching ef- efficiently is going to be important when that's the game plan. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's going to be a challenge, and so they've they've got to be on point. You know the way it's a different kind of game than the one they played against Rutgers, but the overall effect is similar in that um, you know Michigan State's got to be dialed in. Um, you know they're not a team that has gotten to the rim a ton, so you have to hope that MSU can contain that reasonably well. But as I mentioned, a guy like Hunter, to a lesser extent Newman as well. Those guys do have some off the dribble ability, and we've seen teams that didn't do that a lot come in and do it a lot and successfully against MSU. Now, um, that didn't happen against Rutgers. So Michigan State needs to continue limiting that. Um, so yeah, where I, where I come to is I think it's going to be roughly similar to what we saw in that game three years ago. So that's that's my bottom line. If if Purdue is is raining fire from three, it's going to be tough to beat them. Uh, and then rebounding, so definitely some real progress made against Rutgers. Um, what what are you yeah. looking for in this one? I'm hopefully well, the same a performance. Con- a continuation, right? They're not the elite rebounding team overall that they have been in recent years, but they're still very good on the defensive end. And, you know, Williams is enough to create problems on the, on the offensive side if MSU's not getting it done. So again, it's going to be effort and focus. You know, you got to cut out, you got to find a man, make contact, go up strong and just outcompete them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going to be tough to get a lot done on putbacks, on second chances, but you got to try and get as much out of that as you can. The big worry I would have. Um, is that Williams really kind of dominates on the offensive glass, which he is capable of doing if you're not really dialed into it. Um, and, and that's where he could really hurt you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've just seen that kid just own when he couldn't move back where I was talking about when he was in AAU, he still kicked people's asses on the offensive. <laughs> so it's a concern. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then transition. You'd mentioned Purdue does not want to play fast generally. 
Um, right. So they may be able to get something something done there. Well, they're usually pretty um, pretty well drilled, pretty disciplined in terms of floor balance. So I don't think they're likely to give up a lot. But that doesn't change the equation for MSU. You know, in a game like this, especially with those two big kids, mm-hmm. you've got to make them move a lot. You don't want them being fresh, you know. Yeah. Uh, you wanna you wanna force them to move. You want the gas tanks to be a little empty coming down the stretch. And then otherwise, you know, Michigan State just needs to continue to establish habits in terms of their transition game. And whatever opportunities are there to be exploited, you got to cash in. One one difference in in this game as opposed to others in recent years with Purdue. With Purdue's turnover problems, it is more likely that you could have some live ball situations. I mean, that was definitely the deal at points with Rutgers. Now, Michigan yeah. State gave up a lot of them, too. But MSU got some stuff in transition as a result of Rutgers' giveaways. Mm-hmm. You know, Hogard's basket from the floor came that way. I think Henry had one. You know, they had some opportunities. Those could present in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that brings us to the fourth key, turnovers. We'd mentioned that Purdue's uh, has been given the ball off uh, quite a bit this year. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a real problem, and they are statistically much worse than Michigan State. Now, we've seen Michigan State is fully capable of just an awful game in that regard. You know, we've seen it a couple times this year. Against Duke, it was that way, and, and against Rutgers, it was that way. Um Ironically, both wins, so maybe we should be rooting for an 18 turnover night. <laughs> but... um but anyway, I think this is an area where MSU actually could have a distinct advantage, and that would be that would be important. Especially as I said, live ball turnovers would be great. Uh, and then free throws, um, you know, they're three oh two in free throw attempted versus field goal attempted. Michigan State is two sixty one. Right. So that neither one of them gets there a lot, and that's not surprising because neither of these offenses is predicated around a ton of penetration. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the most surefire way you're going to get a lot of free throws. Um, but Michigan State is a little better in that regard, and they're a lot better when they get to the line. MSU is about, I don't know, about 7 or 8% better than Purdue as a team. And, they, and the, the biggest difference is Michigan State doesn't have that one guy that's a problem. Yeah. Purdue. Trevion Williams is a potential problem. And that's a difference. You know, Michigan State, you know, might have guys in the high 60s, but that's okay. You know, those guys are probably going to hit enough for you to win a game that you should otherwise win. Um, it's when you've got a guy that, that stands out as, as a real issue, as a target, that it can be, you know, a bigger deal. And so I think that's that's perhaps the problem that looms for Purdue in this game. And we said it about the Rutgers game. I'm going to say it again here. In the Big Ten, so many games are going to be played in a tight window of separation between the two teams that free throws really do matter. They matter in terms of just fundamentally scoring enough points to win a game or leaving too many points on the table. They also matter if you're leading and you're trying to close a game out. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, I think it's, again, potentially an area that plays to Michigan State's advantage. We just have to see if it plays out that way. 
does this seem like a game where we might see some uh, some extended time for guys like Bingham, um, Marble, Sissoko? Yeah, potentially. Potentially because um, you're 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 gonna. I think this is one where you know if you played Joey, um, you know tried to get thirty minutes out of him, let's say exclusively at the five guarding those guys, it would be problematic. I don't think we'll see that. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're probably going to have to run some guys in and out, but I, I don't know how different it'll be. I mean, you know, Michigan state with, because here's the thing you can say that and say, okay, well, you've got all these files to give up. So just run those guys out there. But <laughs> those, but those guys still have responsibilities in terms of guarding out on the floor. I mean, Purdue can and will use Williams and Edie to set picks, et cetera. So your guy, your big man, has to be dialed in on that, too. It's not just a matter of can he hang in the post. Uh-huh. And that's where you have concerns with some of those guys, with all of them that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. The guys I don't have concerns with as much are Kithier and um, Hauser and Hall. Those guys, especially Kithier and Hall, I'm very confident in. Hauser, somewhat so. Uh, the other three guys, wow. And, and if, and if it's a situation where those guys, where you got Manny Sissoko or Julius Marble or, um, or Marcus Bainham having to guard, you know, Stefanovic or yeah. even Hunter. Cause somebody got 20 feet from the basket. Yeah. I don't like that. So I don't know. I don't know how much. I mean, I think all those, well, maybe not all of them, but two of those three guys will play. I don't know which two. Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably lean right now toward Bainham and Sissoko just because of the length, but you just, you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if I expect like, wow, we look up and old Matty Sissoko played 13 minutes. I don't know if I expect that. Mm-hmm. Maybe, but, but right now I would lean toward no. Okay. Well, this one's on uh, tomorrow, seven o'clock. Um, any final words heading into this one? This would be good to get back to five hundred here. Yep. Big game. I think really big game. They're, I mean, they're all big, but this one's big. You can see it. For the reasons for that fairly obviously. Mm-hmm. If you win it, you're three and three. You start to feel that you've got some legitimate momentum built up, and you now have six days off until you face Iowa and Iowa City which is going to be a real challenge. You lose it. You're going into that game at Iowa City 2-4. and four, It feels a little different. Not the apocalypse if they lose it, but this is one, you know, if you're Michigan State, honestly, if you're Michigan State and, and you have ideas about getting back into this thing, and, and I don't necessarily mean winning the title, but at least, you know, putting yourself in the upper tier of conference teams, you know, that kind of, you know, getting a good seed, those kind of considerations – this is a game you should win. Yeah. Purdue, Purdue is a dangerous team. They're, they're a team that I think is, I would still look at as capable of, of reaching the NCAA tournament, but I don't believe they're an upper tier team in this conference. Mm-hmm. And so you're playing that kind of team and you're playing them at home, whatever home means. Although, you know, it's interesting. I saw a stat the other day that actually, and you remember we talked about this for a while last year that, um, um, there was this point in time where Big Ten teams were just relentlessly winning home games. Yeah. And then it, it evened out, of course, as it normally does. 
I believe currently home teams are winning at a 4% greater clip this year than last, which I don't know what that translates to. We said, you know, that was going to be an interesting thing that comes out of this season is you're going to have a better feel for how much effect crowds really do have. And I still believe they have an effect. I haven't changed in that, in that belief, but, um, it is interesting. And last I saw, I think Big Ten teams were home teams were winning at like a 71% clip, mm-hmm. which is high. That's higher than normal. Um, but regardless, because it's been panning out that way, if you're MSU, you, you need to get this one. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's big. It's big. You know, and, and the bigger thing apart from the wins and the losses, of course, is just you're coming off really the first time in a month that you felt like you played well. You know, yeah. you want to continue that. That's the the overarching thing, right? Mm-hmm. That Michigan State continues to get better and find some consistency, especially on the defensive end. I mean, that's the that is the biggest thing to me. I'll live with some shooting issues for a while or some turnovers. But if you can, if you can tell me that you're going to see another 40 minutes of really dialed in defense, I'll take that and run with it. Yeah. Especially now that we have confirmed that they can do it. You know, I mean, we, right. We've seen yeah. it. You know, it's not like they don't have yeah. it in them. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think we always knew the physical tools were there. Yeah. And we, we kept talking about it. There are guys who have individual track records that suggest they can be much better than what they had shown. Well, we finally saw a game where that all, you know, showed itself on the court. So now that has to continue. And to me, those, those kind of things are bigger even than the win and the loss. If somehow if Michigan State plays well and loses, well, you're not happy about it, but okay. Mm. You can, you know, you can, you can live with that. It's, it's, um, it's about that playing well more than anything else. Yeah. Because that's what's going to determine where the rest of this thing goes. Mm. All right. Well, we'll leave it at there. And uh, talk to you after the game tomorrow. Until then, the final four is not on the schedule. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.